Welcome to the weekly podcast, Stand Strong. I'm Paul White. And I'm Noah Dieselkamp. Together, we look to God's Word to find energy and encouragement to fuel our faith. When our trust in Jesus is firm, we'll be amazed what God can do and accomplish in our lives. So let's turn to the wisdom in God's Word, a true and trusted source that is going to help us stand strong. Let's dig in. Well, happy Monday to those who are listening with us today. If you're listening on a Monday, uh, we started season four, Noah, last week, kind of gave the trailer a little bit of an intro on where we were going. 21st century discipleship is season four, and today is on idolatry, and that is a huge, huge subject, and we don't intend to captivate people and to talk about this for more than 15 or 20 minutes, which means, I'm just going to state the obvious up front, no way <laughs> that we're going to deal with everything on idolatry. We just wanted to start the season with this, and I think there's a reason for that. We want to go to the heart of the matter. If we're dealing with the heart in 21st century discipleship, we want to get to the heart of the matter. And I think, and we think together, that talking about idolatry, defining what it is in principle, mm-hmm. a few, lots of Old and New Testament passages that deal with this, but just starting here, I think, is, well— we agree is a good place to start. Yes, absolutely. Because there's so many other things that flow from what can be described as idolatry. And if we can get some of the foundational things here, if we can kind of come to terms, if you want to put it that way, with idolatry here, I think it'll help the rest of what we look at here in season four. So I'm looking forward to today. Yeah, it's you know, it's the Exodus 20. That's where people go. And in the beginning, early on, God declared to the nation of Israel, his people, Exodus 20, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above, earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. That's key. That's Mm -hmm. key. Worship, serve. It's important. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Understand that he's telling Israel something about himself. I am a jealous God. And he's saying that about himself as he says, you can't have an idol before me. Mm-hmm. And then he says, okay, you can't worship or serve. That's, I think that's the, the heart of this concept of idolatry is when anything or anyone comes in the place and position that only God should occupy. And then I give my heart over to it. And I worship and serve it. See, that's where, where that's where the rub is, Noah. We say, I say, well, I'm not worshiping it. I'm not right. serving it, them. What? Really? Yeah. Uh, but that's why we want to start here. That, that's the concept, the idea of idolatry, I think. Exodus 20 is, is the easy place to go because it's, it's kind of where it's laid out throughout. There are other portrayals of idolatry in plenty of other portrayals portrayals of idolatry in the Old Testament, but we always see the same characteristics. We see there's something that is that is not God, oftentimes the work of humans that is, in comparison to God, impotent. It, it doesn't hold the same power or place as God in uh, by its nature, but we as humans decide to trust that thing, whether it's some part of nature or God's creation, or if it's something of our own building, like the the Tower of Babel. And always, 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 the idol is inferior to God. Amen to that. Look at New Testament stuff. I mean, like language in 1 Corinthians 10, 14, flee idolatry. I mean, that's that's to the point kind of language. And I think Paul uses that word flee there because he's telling the church at Corinth, in principle, it's telling us in the 
21st century. Yeah. That the issue in the first century is no different from the 21st century. I need to repeat that. The issue in the first century is no different from the 21st century. And here's what I mean. Paul and apostles said, flee idolatry, because what he's what he's emphasizing is idolatry can creep in in such subtle ways. If we're not aggressive in how we see it and intentional in how we deal with it, it's going to destroy us. John said it this way, 1 John 5, 21, keep yourselves from idols. Yes. So again, that's our world. Mm -hmm. That's 2023, 21st century discipleship. Okay, I'm going to follow Jesus, going to honor Jesus. Well, I can have idols. I can be facing idolatry and probably am. Yep, absolutely. In fact, we have, as we're doing this in season four, we're, we're having this question and answer a submission form that people can, can fill out. And we have a question for this episode that relates to idolatry. Do we not, Paul? We, we do. Okay, here it is. If you're talking about idols, and really the concept was since you are talking about idolatry. So in your estimation, so they're wanting a judgment here somewhat. What do you think is, where would you start if you were speaking like to a church like Cedar Park all ages? What do you think is the biggest idol, biggest form of, where would you start if you were trying to talk to people about idolatry? What is it? Is it the idol of money? Is it the idol of sex? What is it the idol of fill in the blank? Where would you start? What do you think is the main idol, is, is there one that we, we cannot miss? What is the idol that we're dealing with? Tell me what you think it is. Well, I'll tell you what I think it is. If I answer the question, I think it's the idol of self. Mm. I think it's rampant selfishness. Again, idolatry, anything or anyone, it's, it's an attitude, it's an action, it's a way of thinking. It's, okay, I've given myself, I trust this more. I'm in love with this more. I treasure this more. And when I start treasuring me and self, I look at a passage of Scripture that may clearly say, ah, this is not so good. And I can redefine it. I can look at it and say, I'm good. Right. I can do this. Yeah. I'm okay with this. It's not a matter whether I'm okay with it, how I feel about it. What does God say? Right. What's the heart of God on this? Selfishness, me, that's, that's where I would start. The idol of self. Yeah, that one is, I think, a pretty universal answer, right? There's... I think a lot of times when you talk about idolatry, the specific idols that we struggle with depend greatly on our upbringing, what part of the country we live in, what our background is like, you know, what our sub, what sub, subculture we're a part of, those kinds of things. Self is going to be kind of the universal answer, mm -hmm. right? When you were reading the question, what came to mind as my answer, and I'll admit that this one is very much more from the uh, United States of America you know, middle class, upper middle class kind of perspective is comfort. Oh, okay. We, we haven't, which finds its root in self, no doubt. Um, but it has perhaps a little bit more of a specific point on it that we, we are willing to do many things for the sake of comfort. We are willing to make many sacrifices for the sake of comfort. And oftentimes we end up serving the, the comforts of our life more than we serve the people around us or the God who is above us. And uh, when we start serving our comforts, there's this irony of we become slaves to the things that are supposed to make life easier for us instead of using what God has blessed us with to serve the, the world around us and God himself. Yeah. Here, now, here's something 
I, I thought about when I was when I was thinking about that question, and and I think other people are asking the same or a similar question. Again, because idolatry is such a big subject, where would you start? Where would you start? And you know, where I start may not be where you would start. We would eventually get on the same page, right? But the, this this idea of idolatry, how many people have heard a sermon preached? I've preached them. I know you've preached them. You know, the words that Joshua had or God had for Israel through Joshua, choose this day whom you will serve. He was asking the people to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And that's what every one of us do every day. We make a choice. But he says, choose whom you will serve. Well, it, I'm serving self, I'm serving comfort, or I'm serving God. Yeah. And we say, okay, wow, that was profound. But, <laughs> but as you unpack that and begin to look at some principles and some passages in the New Testament, I mean, the easy ones are like Colossians 3 and verse 5 that just call out covetousness or greed as idolatry. Right. Yes. But it's bigger than that. It's much bigger than someone that's in love with money. Yeah. Well, someone's in love with money because they're in love with themselves. Someone's in love with money because they bought into this idea that money is what gives them security and comfort. Right. Again, and this is such a subtle thing. So, so subtle. It just, and it goes beyond here. I'm stating the obvious, but it goes beyond the challenge of just living a moral life. Yes. Being sexually pure, the God of sexuality or sex. It's, it's much bigger than even that. Right. Right. And no matter what you put in there, and perhaps this is part of why it's so much bigger than that, is there's always something else that we can put in the place of God. There's always something else. We can we can eradicate something from our lives. I mean, people have done it throughout history. People have gone celibate. People have given up literally every worldly possession for the sake of religion, for the sake of Christ, that doesn't mean that now there's nothing else for them to put in the place of God. In 1 Corinthians 10, when when Paul is writing and he says that, hey, you're supposed to learn from the example of the Israelites. They had become selfish and self-indulging. They had worshiped other beings. But how he concludes that section in verses 21 and 22 is you can't serve those and God. There's this mutual exclusivity. And so any time that you try to anytime that you try to say God and this, you know, it doesn't matter what you fill in the blank with. Like you said, it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be sexuality. It doesn't have to be comfort. Whatever you put in that blank, Paul is very clear about there. You can't serve God and that. That's not how it works. I was reading a book years ago and the author made this observation. It all, it's always stuck with me. He says, we we have mental images of God before we make metal images of God. And sometimes people think idolatry and they think Old Testament and the actual idols, the things of wood, right. stone. That's, that's not where we are in the 21st century. Now, there are some that are there. Right. I mean, you can see them even in the United States. I've seen them in India and other places. You can see them in the United States, people that have stuff out of wood and stone that they bow before and they trust in other than Jehovah God. But he's right. We have we have mental images of God before we make metal images of God. And as I read Romans 1 and, and unpack Romans 1, and I caution Christians, go back Romans 1, the end of Romans 1, about verses 18 to the end of the chapter, is there to set up the book of Romans and to teach us something. And here's a point I've made in the margin of one of my Bibles there in Romans 1, and that is this. We make idols 
so that we can live by our own rules. And look, I, I'm, I'm a part of the we. I have to be careful. We make idols so that we can live by our own rules. See, if God always agrees with me, if God always likes the things that I like and dislike the things or the people that I dislike, then when someone asks a question about something, again, 21st century discipleship, can we do this? Can we not do this? How should we feel about this? How should I think about that? If I've already shaped God into my own image, that's Romans 1, and, and the created becomes the creator. I, right. I just say, God's going to always think like me and see things from my perspective. And we would never say it that way. I don't think we would. But the idols in the heart. Read Ezekiel. Man, oh man, oh man. What God did to Judah, his people, out of his wrath. Mm -hmm. And he said, here's where you were. You have Ezekiel 14. You have idols in your hearts. That's where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. Long before anything is, is carved out of stone or made out of metal, it starts in the heart. Some of what you were saying reminds me of, of Habakkuk chapter 2. In, in Habakkuk chapter 2, he actually says, what prophet is an idol? He asks that question when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies, for its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Now, he's making fun of the idea that you would mm -hmm. make an idol and then and then worship it. But it's interesting because there's also... There is this irony. There is an answer to Habakkuk's question. What what prophet is an idol? Well, it can it can say whatever I want it to say. It can teach whatever I want it to teach. It I, it can hold whatever standards I want it to hold. And then I just get to do what I, I mean, there's a sense in which I just get to do what I want to do. Now, that's not always how idolatry has worked throughout history, but that goes back to what you were just saying. We we can make a god in our own image, and it's it may be the equivalent of a of a you know a metal statue that sits there speechless and impotent, but it it represents something that allows us to do whatever we want to do, not beholden to a standard outside of ourselves. That is really a, a kind of sad and pitiful existence. And it's interesting because as he continues there in chapter two, he says. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, and to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, but there's no breath at all in it. And he finishes, after criticizing this, he says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Yeah, that's, that's sobering language. It is. And such a contrast between the silent gods of silver and gold and stone Versus the God before whom we must remain silent. We must hear what he has to say. He sits in his holy temple. And uh, I think that that is the challenge for us today. Is one, of, one of the challenges with idolatry for the 21st century disciple is we have to stop talking long enough to listen to God for what he says and for who he is and stop trying to argue our own desires and our own positions and our own idols. Stop speaking for our idols and start listening to our God. Yeah. I want, I want to do this, Noah. So, you know, I didn't even ask you, but oh, well, here's where we're going. <laughs> I want you to pray. And in the middle of this, toward the end of this discussion on, on idols, you know, we took a question or questions about this. And there are others who have questions about idols. The question was, 
where Paul, where would you start? Or Noah, where would you start? And so we answered that from our perspective. But sometimes I can start in the wrong place, or sometimes I can say about the subject of idolatry, I can get on my own soapbox. I can yeah. say, well, I'll just talk about this, and I'll only talk about that. And that's not what we want to do, and that's not what we're trying to present in this podcast. We're, we're just trying to speak for the Lord. We want to hear from the Lord. We want to minister to people where they are, mm-hmm. and we're not all in the same place. So, Noah, let's pray together. Let's seek the favor in the face of God to make sure that we're seeing about this big subject of idolatry. We're, we're looking at things from God's perspective, from heaven's perspective. We're going back to God's order and the old paths and let him be our reference point when we talk about these things. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we are especially conscious of the fact that you sit on the throne. You've been on the throne and you always will be on the throne. You are the king. You are the creator. We recognize that you have exclusive rights as God. You you are the one and the only God who deserves worship and glory and honor. And we pray that you be with us as we consider what idols are and what idols we may have in our lives. And we pray for those who are listening to this. We're all in different parts of our lives, different stages of life, and we all have our own weaknesses. But we pray that you open our eyes as we look into your word and help us to understand where we need to start so that we can put you where you belong, and that is on the throne of our heart and on the throne of our lives, so that we can worship you and you alone. We love you, and it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We picked this, Noah, because we're kicking off season four, 21st century discipleship with the discussion of idolatry, because we hope this serves as a platform to get people engaged in asking questions that would move forward into the various season, uh, various episodes in this season four on idolatry. He says this about the idols. Those who make them, Psalm 115, and those who trust in them are just like the idols. What he said about the idols, they're lifeless. There's, yeah. there's, there's just, there's no life in them. There's no sense in what they are. They're dead. They're lifeless. We don't want to be that person. We don't be the people who make them interest in them. Yes. That is, that Psalm 135 is such a, a, again, sobering language. The fact that he says those who worship them are, are like them. But the, the positive side of that, and he doesn't explicitly state this in that, in that context, but those who worship God will be like God. Now, not in the way that the serpent said in the garden, we're not going to be like God in, in the way that he tried to advertise to us, but rather that this comes back to the very idea of discipleship. We are following in the footsteps of Jesus. We're his disciples. We are made in the image of God. We were created for good works, and we are being transformed by God's word and by the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ. Praise God for that. When we worship the one true God, we do become like him, and that is full of life. Amen, amen. 21st century discipleship, that season four. We're just thankful to take this journey. We're looking for every opportunity to, to just put ourselves in the best possible place and position to stand strong, but to stand even stronger together. Thanks for joining us in God's Word today. We hope you'll continue to join us each week as we consider how to deepen our faith in God. Here's some good news today and even this week. 
With God as our foundation, we know that we can stand strong.